Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. Well, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile has just premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. So get premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash MLM. That's mintmobile.com slash MLM. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash MLM. Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia, and it can be a devastating disease. Those of you who've seen a loved one struggle with Alzheimer's likely know all too well what I'm talking about. Andrea Gillies took care of her mother-in-law, Nancy, and explained to The Guardian how much it affected her. Every day, Nancy would wake up to find that she'd aged 50 years, that she didn't recognize herself in the mirror, and that she had no idea where she was or who she was with. Complete strangers walked into Nancy's room, handing her clothing she'd never seen, asking how she was and if she wanted to walk. Distinguishing between reality and fantasy was impossible for Nancy. It was, as Andrea put it, like science fiction. It's difficult to know what to do in this situation. Do you visit them, spend time with them, even though maybe it makes no difference? What if they're hostile or even aggressive? Nancy would slap her granddaughters, curse at them, and be unable to use the bathroom properly or even bathe. She was unrecognizable, no longer confused, but miserable, fearful, and angry. And it's not Nancy's fault, no one's fault for this happening. And she's far from the only one that's felt this way. There's no shortage of stories online about the effects of dementia, the general term for a decline in memory, reasoning, and thinking skills, and Alzheimer's, the specific term for the brain disease itself. While Alzheimer's can affect people differently, it's typically a very difficult road. Others say that losing their loved one to Alzheimer's was like losing them twice. There just wasn't a physical death, but an emotional one, and the connection and ability to make new memories with them was gone. Alzheimer's isn't just for elderly folks either. According to the Alzheimer's Association, about 200,000 Americans under the age of 65 are living with early onset Alzheimer's disease, and around one in nine people over the age of 65 have it. People have good reason to be scared for their elderly loved ones and good reason to be afraid of getting it themselves. It's an absolutely terrifying disease. I'm not going to mince words here. And it makes it all the more worrying when you consider the fact that there's no cure either. There are some treatments that might help change the disease's progression or alleviate symptoms and improve a patient's quality of life, but you simply can't just get rid of it. Between all this, it's no wonder that according to a Harvard School of Public Health survey, about 25% of participants feared this disease more than any other. Other studies have that number even higher, and many of those questioned think that the diagnosis would mean that life as they know it is effectively over. No participating in conversations, no driving, no being alone, etc. One Alzheimer's charity survey found that the majority of people they spoke with, 64%, thought that they couldn't even seek support from a charity either, believing that reaching out and getting help would be too difficult. 
The reason why it's so important to stress this and to talk about these difficulties is because it better helps us understand the relief that came along when we finally did start getting answers about how Alzheimer's works. In 2006, one research team gave millions and millions of people hope that we could finally understand this disease, bringing us one step closer to potentially curing it. Controversial new treatment for Alzheimer's has been approved by regulators in the United States. The treatment, which is approved by the US Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, um, is a lot of people have heard this, the amyloid plaques and their association with the, the disease Alzheimer's. What they found was that there was a decrease in those plaques that you see on the right side of your screen there. Now, whether the, those the, It seems like the whole disease begins with the accumulation of a beta, beta amyloid. And that's shown here by this uh, squiggly red line sort of structure here. Now, a beta is a very sticky protein. It's, it really likes to aggregate. Hello and welcome to Multilevel Mondays. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about the 2006 breakthrough in the Alzheimer's community. And when I say breakthrough, I really do mean it in the truest sense of the word. Sylvain Leslie and a team of researchers published an article entitled, A Specific Amyloid Beta Protein Assembly in the Brain Impairs Memory. Lesney had images to back up his words too, and it's not as if this was coming out of nowhere. This hypothesis had existed for quite some time. This new revelation was simply a study that could finally back up the theories and set people on the right track. I'm no scientist, but from what I understand, the paper said, hey, if you've got this amyloid beta protein, this can be what causes memory impairment. While I am drastically oversimplifying here, the conclusion seemed to be that so long as someone could understand this protein clump, they could understand and potentially cure Alzheimer's. This was only tested on mice, but with the photos and promising evidence, it was still a massive leap forward. But here's the especially important piece, science builds on itself. When important groundbreaking research is unveiled to the world, we don't just say, nice job, get a round of applause and leave it at that. Now, Sylvain had taken the first steps, but what about the second steps or the third? Others began building on their research, trying to take it further and conduct their own studies using his knowledge. In fact, this 2006 information was so invaluable that it was referenced in other research papers about 2000 times. Springer Nature has compiled which studies cite the Nature article and how many times. Some papers are as recent as 2021. One in 2016 cited the Nature article in over 1200 instances, just demonstrating how much they relied on Sylvain's work. All in all, there are 206 pages worth of articles that cite Sylvain in some way, putting him in the 99th percentile for citation rank. That's literally as high as you can get. Now, naturally, this also meant a lot of money. Billions of dollars went towards funding research with this 2006 study effectively guiding the way. However, what some researchers found was a bit different than what they expected. Just a couple of years later in 2008, Alzheimer's disease researcher at Harvard, Dennis Selko, came up empty when looking for the same protein assembly in human tissue. Other scientists posted to Al's forum claiming that they quote, they tried but were unable to replicate the findings. They'd never even published those studies, though I'm not sure why this would be the case. And some said that they'd been skeptical about Sylvain's data from the beginning. After all, if this really was the reason, the breakthrough that we'd all been hoping for, then why couldn't anyone get the same results? 
For ages, people believed in the study and the concerns around Sylvain seemed like no more than whispers in the medical community. As I'm obviously not part of said community, feel free to take that with a grain of salt. However, it's been reported that in 2013, suspicions of misconduct were posted anonymously. PubPeer is a forum for discussing potential flaws in published papers, and there was an unidentified user who told people about possible image manipulation. You can actually still find this post online, at least at the time of writing, it is out there, even though it didn't seem to get nearly as much traction as one would hope. The criticism and red flags that were talked about in 2013 largely had to do with the photos that Sylvain had as proof. The author explains that when you look at them in high resolution, there's some clear cropping going on. And being blunt here, I'm not really sure exactly what they mean when they say that there's different bands of IP6E10 are seen or what they're exactly discussing about when they talk about lanes. I'm sure any neuroscientists, scientists, medical professionals in general could follow along more than I could. I'm not going to pretend to understand the nitty gritty details here. But what I do understand is that the post, generally speaking, said that the photographic evidence isn't actually adding up. Unfortunately, nothing really came of this, at least not right away. As The Atlantic puts it, the scientific whisper network was inert. I understand that if you're criticizing a study such as this, your argument has to be foolproof. Maybe you've got to replicate or attempt to replicate the data first. It's not surely as simple as, hey, I think you're lying and the research is just taken down and discredited. Time just wasn't a luxury here. People were using the source again and again and again, literally thousands of times. New research was even based on it. New drugs were developed around it. And when the scientific community at large accepts questionable research as fact, then everybody suffers if it's wrong. When a scientist discovers a leading cause of a disease, what do you think happens? Well, people try to cure it, of course. A potential breakthrough this morning for millions of Americans affected by Alzheimer's. A new antibody treatment for the disease could slow the progression of cognitive decline by 27%. Here to explain this major development is- Drug companies will try to create a product that addresses said cause. And that's exactly what Biogen did. They made aducanumab, It was sold under the brand name called Agihelm to quote, treat the protein plaques associated with Alzheimer's. Now, this was supposed to be the miracle that we've all been waiting for. This was going to change everything. It's not to say that Alzheimer's was going to be completely eradicated immediately or something, but this was hope for what was once a hopeless uphill battle. In 2021, the Alzheimer's Association wrote, The drug is the first therapy to demonstrate that removing beta amyloid, one of the hallmarks of the Alzheimer's disease from the brain is reasonably likely to reduce cognitive and functional decline in people living with early Alzheimer's. If we could collectively take this giant leap forward, then what more could we do? Maybe cure it altogether? Maybe those who wouldn't be able to recognize their loved ones before would be able to have just a little bit longer with them, a little bit more time before they slipped away. It felt so real and right within grasp. Not only was the Alzheimer's Association reporting this, but the FDA itself approved it too in mid 2021. Sure, there was the possibility that they'd withdraw their approval if the sponsors couldn't verify clinical benefit. But let's be honest here for a second. That's not what anyone was thinking when time ran headlines running, the first treatment for Alzheimer's disease is here. Instead, it seemed like anyone glancing at those articles would breathe a sigh of relief. If you read that in your 20s, 30s, or even 40s, 
Maybe you thought that at least now you could rest a little bit easier, knowing that by the time you were elderly, this disease would probably be wiped out entirely, like polio or something. But treatments don't come cheap, and I'm talking $56,000 annually per person. This was more than twice as much as what analysts were expecting. AP News reported a few months later in November, 2021, that the cost of Medicare as a whole was going to jump, in large part because of the new Alzheimer's drug. The cost of Aduhelm alone was enough to affect everyone's premiums, regardless if they took it or not. The jump was a full $21.60 per month too. And while the drug isn't responsible for all of that, officials said it accounted for about half of that. So about $10 or so. Considering that Alzheimer's affects about 6 million people, the vast majority of which qualify for Medicare, this wasn't a huge shock. And as frustrating and broken as our healthcare system may be, it seemed like a need. No one should have to go through the pain of this disease if they don't have to. But not everyone was so hopeful in the beginning. Dr. Jason Karlowish, co-director of the Penn Memory Center stated, in general, the data on the relationship between the amyloid changes and the clinical changes are not as strong as we hoped they would be. We do need to wait for more data. The Institute for Clinical and Economic Review backed him too. In fact, Agihelm caused quite a bit of controversy to the point where three FDA advisors resigned over its approval. The New York Times reported that the first to leave the committee, Dr. Joel Perlmutter, a neurologist at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis stated, approval of a drug that is not effective has serious potential to impair future research into new treatments that may be effective. He added that the billion spent on this therapy might be better spent developing more evidence it actually works or on other therapeutic interventions. Not every medical professional was strongly against it though. Dr. Stephen Salloway, professor of neurology at Brown University said that the drug truly offered a chance of preserving the quality of life. Director of the Mayo Clinic Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, Dr. Ron Peterson also said that the positive results were real. And even if the clinical effect is modest, he backed it being sold. Another New York Times article titled, How an Unproven Alzheimer's Drug Got Approved, called the decision one of their most consequential and controversial in recent years. In a way, their approval seemed to show how desperate people were to find something that could alleviate Alzheimer's. If it didn't harm anyone, why not try it, right? Wall Street Pro explained this desperation as follows. Over the last two decades, Alzheimer's drugs have been notable mostly for having a 99% failure rate in human trials. It's not unusual for drugs that are effective in vitro and in animal models to turn out to be less than successful when used in humans. But Alzheimer's has a record that makes the batting average in other areas look like Hall of Fame material. It's no wonder then that the FDA wanted to put something and potentially anything on the market to help. But there are plenty of reasons to be more cautious here. The cost and effectiveness are obvious ones, but the FDA seemed to ignore concerns in favor of what this medication promised patients. In fact, they ignored concerns to an unprecedented extent. An advisory committee had 10 members of an 11 member panel vote no on approving this drug while the 11th member just said they were uncertain, they didn't say yes. So despite not a single clear yes vote being cast, the FDA approved it anyway. It seemed ridiculous, irresponsible, controversial, and it unveiled the flaws in a broken approval system that allows drugs into the market without strong enough evidence that they actually work. The drug didn't even make it to Europe for the same reason. 
it failed to convince regulators of the real benefits. This was bound to open the floodgates for even more questionable medications just like it. And then came Simufilum. No sooner did questions around Biogen arise and Silufilum's manufacturer, Cassava Sciences, followed quickly in their footsteps. Apparently, a group of scientists believed that the drug makers were exaggerating the potential benefits, so they attempted to short sell cassava. Then they filed a letter with the FDA and hired an investigator to back them up. Not only were these scientists doing good by reporting a questionable drug, but they were potentially making bank in betting this drug company would fail too. And that does leave a bit of a bad taste in my mouth, I've got to admit. But considering that cassava was pushing drugs into trials with potentially exaggerated claims, it's pretty difficult to be sympathetic towards them too. Other drugs were tried too. Genetech created Krenizumab. I'm so sorry that I, that one is totally just throwing me for a loop today. And this drug was supposed to have promising results targeting those dangerous Alzheimer causing plaques, but their drugs didn't work either. And it's odd that despite the 2006 research paper allegedly unveiling the root cause of the disease, nothing was working against it. Matthew Scragg found it odd too, and this neuroscientist and investigator decided to dig into it a little bit more. He started with the cassava case, and then in a matter of speaking, he opened the floodgates for a very different reason than just ineffective medicines. The images were a lie. Uh, had a, a pattern of artifacts in it that was concerning. And then one raised concerns that perhaps there was some uh, manipulation of the data um, or, or research misconduct. And what we found was a pervasive pattern of these red flags. You were probably able to anticipate that by now, but for the medical community, going through this revelation was a massive shock to the system. I won't say that this means everything we thought about Alzheimer's was a lie and we can throw out the past 16 years worth of research. It's not quite that severe, but it certainly comes far too close to that for comfort too. Dr. Matthew Scragg made the allegations against Sylvain in 2021. It took about six months to research the publication thoroughly, but Science Magazine admitted in July, 2022 that they found about 70 instances of possible image tampering throughout Sylvain's studies. 20 of his papers were labeled suspect too. Six months may seem like a long time, but it's nothing compared to 16 years. I have no idea why this wasn't happening sooner, like why they didn't do this until just now. Like in 2013, when users online raised some pretty good questions about the paper's validity. Why not then? Why wait until now? For 16 years, Sylvain downright lied to the medical community and gave millions false hope. Carl Hurup, a professor of neurobiology, had this to say on the matter. It's never shameful to be wrong in science. A lot of the best science was done by people being wrong and proving first if they were wrong and then why they were wrong. What is completely toxic to science is to be fraudulent. And toxic is definitely an understatement. I mean, how inhuman and horrific and vile of a person do you have to be to do something like this? He allegedly acted as if he knew the main cause of Alzheimer's, wasting many millions, potentially even billions in directing Alzheimer's research towards his seemingly false theories. Words fail to describe his irredeemable selfishness. I've avoided calling him a doctor for the vast majority of this episode because I don't consider someone like this a doctor. No true doctor, no one that aims to treat and help others would do something like that. As an aside here, let me briefly clarify that no, this does not mean that amyloid theories should all be discarded. 
The Associate Director of Research at Alzheimer's Society, Dr. Richard Oakley, says we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The amyloid protein theory has been around for a very long time and it's been influential for quite some time. Sylvain's study just so happened to focus on one specific type. Again, I'm not a scientist. I do not fully understand how amyloids work or how they may contribute, but I'd hate to have someone walk away from this with a negative impression of any research around amyloids whatsoever. Just this particular study. Some co-authors actually defended the work in the Sylvain study, claiming that they shouldn't affect the overall research and that their photos being doctored doesn't matter. And I mean, call me crazy, but why the hell would someone trust a research paper with edited images? It would only make me question what else has been edited, obviously. Dr. Thomas Wisniewski, another neurology professor, says that the protein Sylvain identified, amyloid beta star 56, was one that he'd never even observed before. Some articles allege that for all we know, maybe it doesn't even exist in humans to begin with. It doesn't seem like anyone else was able to replicate the 2006 results after all. Sylvain himself has not responded to comments. And despite the investigation, he's actually still gotten recent grants for more research. It's pretty clear this was a malicious photo manipulation by all accounts and sources. However, seeing as this took place so recently, it's still unclear if any consequences will actually come from this. But there is one very obvious consequence, one that's already taking place, a newfound distrust in the medical community. And before we go on to talk about that distrust and what the failure of the integrity of this study means for us, I'm going to take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. As your calendar starts to fill up this season, you can count on HelloFresh to get you some of your free time back by making cooking simple and quick. Each recipe and its pre-portioned ingredients come right to your door so you can skip the grocery store and a lot of the prep too. With over 35 weekly recipes, there's something to please everyone. You can also easily customize your recipes by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading to choice proteins, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. And one of the other things I like about HelloFresh is when you order the meal from them, you obviously are gonna get this nice recipe card, but the recipe card is about like the standard size of like a normal like white sheet of paper. So you can actually like take a binder with like binder like paper sleeves in them and you can put them in there to create your own cookbook. So you can literally buy more of the ingredients and replicate the recipe again. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have a giant binder of all of my recipes. So if you're ready to get started this fall season, make sure you go to hellofresh.com MLM65 and use code MLM65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, hellofresh.com MLM65 with code MLM65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Today's episode is also sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Now, I think many of you are pretty well aware that I love my sweaters. I love the fall and winter season, scarves, boots, sweaters, hats, you name it, I love it. So what does that mean when it's fall time? I don't do spring cleaning, I do fall cleaning. So I've cleaned out my closet, which means I want a couple new sweaters. And thanks to Honey, I also get to save a little bit of money while I'm shopping too. And it's super easy to use. When you go to checkout on whatever website you're on, the Honey button just kind of appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons, wait a few seconds and Honey's gonna search for coupons to you know, use on the site. And if it finds a working coupon, you'll watch prices drop. I recently bought a pair of boots and Honey found me a 15% discount on those boots, which thank you because boots are expensive. And Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. 
If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. And I'd never recommend something that I don't use. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com MLM. Again, that's joinhoney.com MLM. The sad fact of the matter is that distrust in the scientific community isn't actually new. According to The Atlantic, a 2009 analysis of multiple surveys in which scientists were asked about their colleagues or their own misbehavior found that about 25 to 33% of them said they'd witnessed a questionable research practice. It's things like ignoring an outlier without due cause. About 2% of scientists even admitted to participating in outright research fraud. Elizabeth Blick, an investigator that looked at Sylvain's work, estimated that 4% of the 20,000 papers she audited contained problematic figures too. As we've seen, as little as just one research paper can pave the way for more studies to come. Sylvain's paper meant everything to those looking for a cure since 2006. So what other questionable studies might be out there misleading future researchers? The study now has a note on it that says this, The editors of Nature have been alerted to concerns regarding some of the figures in this paper. Nature is investigating these concerns and a further editorial response will follow as soon as possible. In the meantime, readers are advised to use caution when using results reported therein. I'm not sure when an editorial response will come again or if it even will, but hopefully we will have more answers soon. While the fraud naturally led to more questionable studies and solutions, it may have led to misdiagnoses too. Some patients that died from Alzheimer's could have been told that they had something else if that amyloid wasn't present. Others with dementia may have been falsely diagnosed as having Alzheimer's when they didn't. It's difficult to truly measure the consequences here. Now, this does not mean scientists are always just lying to you or anything like that. Science can be self-correcting too, just in the long term. It's pretty hard to go into something, a project or a study without a shred of confirmation bias. Of course, anyone, scientist or not, is going to want their hypotheses to be correct. But bungling data can cross the line into fraud. And though 2% may sound like a small number, it only takes one impactful paper to affect many thousands of others and millions of lives in the process. NPR News has called it a bad system and also addresses the issue of competition. After all, so long as there's limited funding, then yeah, some people might cheat their way to get it. While it might be too early to say for sure, Sylvain sure seems to be one of them. He has made some groundbreaking findings and was rewarded for it. And do you know who wasn't rewarded? The scientists that attempted to confirm this groundbreaking data in replication studies. Personally, I feel like there should be more incentives for things like that. Like yes, breakthroughs are important, but making sure that those breakthroughs are legitimate is just as important too, and perhaps even more so, so that we don't go spiraling in the wrong direction and potentially cause harm where there could be healing. Despite that, this is largely seen as the status quo, according to The Atlantic. There's a publish or perish ideal in academia that can lead to a dominance of false findings in an attempt to keep up. And even though these whisper networks and forums exist to question strange or suspicious findings, it rarely leads to actual accountability. Were it not for how impactful and public Sylvain's findings were, I can't say that we absolutely would have even heard about this. So the question remains, what do we do next? Where do we go from here? Well, thankfully, scientists are checking in on one another. The questions that arose very soon after the 2006 study were legitimate and well-founded. We just need more people listening to those voices, to the scientists that are willing to question a study's results. I mean, 
That's what we were taught as a kid, right? That being a scientist is about conducting experiments, research, being curious, and being willing to be proven wrong. Let's reward those curious scientists and reward those that are willing to confirm and replicate what we think we know too. But with all of that being said, that is unfortunately where I'm currently ending today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest information. I do assume this is a topic I'll have to revisit in the future. Unfortunately for right now, it's just a waiting game to see what's happening and to who. But again, thank you so much for joining me. I do really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.